Well, on this first Sunday of the new year, we're going to jump into the Old Testament and read from Exodus chapter 12. The words are going to be on the screen. Uh, and in some ways, it, we're not going to get into all the detail of the passage, but the beginning and the end of this passage are really important. And so let me read to you from Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 uh, through to 14. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to de determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lamb. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. You'll be glad we're not going into all the details. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. But the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Now, for those of you who perhaps have, have been in the church for a long time, you'll be familiar with this story as the story of the Passover, uh, the beginnings of the liberation of the people of God from slavery in Egypt, where they were to uh, kill a lamb and then put blood on uh, their doorposts and on their doors so that when the angel of death passed over, then the blood would be a sign of their faith and trust in, in God and he would pass over them and death would not follow them in that evening. And this was the beginning of their liberation, the Passover, that became central to the celebration festivals of the people of God. And while it is quite a gory and depictive, graphic uh, kind of description of Passover, the part that I, I want to emphasize to you is simply the opening 
verse or two and the closing verse that I read. The opening two verses establish this moment as New Year. And we are entering on this Sunday, first Sunday of the month a new year. And so it struck me as appropriate to remind ourselves of why God chose this moment to announce a new year for the people of God. Now, in Judaism, there was various new years that we could go to. Uh, you could go to um, uh, the new year for trees. Uh, that is in Shavat, the end of January, celebrating uh, renewal, and it kind of serves as a cutoff point for tithing. So in the Jewish calendar, there is a new year for trees. There's a new year for years. They call that Rosh Hashanah. It's probably the most familiar of the new years. Uh, Jewish New Year, which is, is in the month of Tishri, or for us, September. It's the birthday of creation. That's what they celebrate. Then there's a new year for counting your annual tithes. Uh, that's in August, just before the new year. It's a time for reflection prior to Rosh Hashanah. And then the new year of festivals, which is this one in the Jewish month of Nisan, or March for us, which marks the start of the Jewish religious festivals. And it's the way of months that is most referred to in Scripture. And it was God's appointed moment of New Year. Now, these different New Years are not unfamiliar with us. We, we have different New Years. So we have the New Year that we're in just now, which is the one that most people think about as New Year. But we have a New Year that starts, for many people, in August. We have a school New Year. Uh, we have a, a tax New Year in April. And so we're not unfamiliar with this idea of having New Year's for certain things. But I'm fascinated about the New Year that God appointed and why he chose that moment to appoint a new year. Those opening verses from chapter 12, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month, this month, in the month that he was about to liberate them, is to be your first month, the first month of your year. He ties it to the celebration of Passover, which is the beginning of the liberation of the people of God from Egypt. It's a moment of liberation and hope and new beginnings and new starts. It was the rewriting of the history of the people of God. It was the birth, the fresh birth of the people of God. It was time for God to tell a new story in the lives of his people. Friends, I want to say to you, on this new year, I want us to have that in mind as we think about new year as God appointed it. The rewriting of our stories into his great redemption and liberation and hope and new beginnings. This for us is a time of celebration. But New Year's in biblical time, and this new year particularly, is rooted. The new year that God announces is rooted in a liberation, a new hope, a new beginning. And I imagine that for some of us, perhaps because of what last year has been like, or maybe even a few years, we've lost a sense of that hope. 
we find ourselves being more defined in our lives by an old story rather than the new story of the new year that God appoints in this season of liberation as he liberates his people out of Egypt. After the death of of Joseph back in, in Genesis, the people of God became slaves in Egypt for generations, for centuries. Moses and Aaron are are, are to go to Pharaoh to request the liberation of their people. And they go and they deliver warnings of consequences, the the plagues that will come to Pharaoh, the king, and that will come to the people. And, And if you've read the story, you'll know that Pharaoh refuses every time they go and every warning and every plague is fulfilled. Every time. And every time that uh, Moses goes to see him, he takes his staff. And in some way, his staff becomes a sign of what God is doing and is about to do. And, And so even when there are plagues that have to come, it is often the staff of Moses or the staff of God that is outstretched and stretched forth. But every time, Pharaoh refuses to give the liberation and the freedom. And we picked up the story in chapter 12, in the last of the plagues, where God's people are told to mark their doors with the blood of lambs so that the angel of death would pass over them and their families would be protected and freed. They would enter into this new chapter, this new liberation, the simple obedience of putting the blood of the lambs on their doors. And they would enter into this new life of freedom and hope and new beginnings. And they were to get packed and ready to go. Make sure everything was ready because they were going to flee quickly. And so they would mark their doors and get themselves ready get the food ready in time for God to lead them into this new beginning. And of course, Pharaoh eventually under this last plague gives the word that God's people can leave. Liberation comes, hope is fulfilled, and a new beginning is given. Friends, that's the context of the new year that God announces that his story in the present and the future will be different from the one that has characterized life in the past. And for you this morning, as we step into the new year, whatever last year or the years before have been like, I want to remind us of the hope of the liberation story that God is always doing of new beginnings. And that when God announces a new year, he does so with this liberation and hope. This is the point where God inaugurates new year, the first Jewish new year. And it was the start of a new journey. I don't know what the beginning of your new year has been like. I I was talking to a a guy last night and we're, we're... lamenting the fact that it's so easy for January to be the worst month. 
It seems to be a low month in society. People struggle. And in some ways, what I want to call you to as a church and what I'm calling myself to is to go back to the moment when God announces a new year and what the context is and to allow faith to rise as in as again, however the year has begun. To, to align ourselves with when God announces new year and liberation and hope and new beginnings, whatever it's been like for you last year or now, to lift up our heads, to look towards the God who in this first new year brought deliverance and hope and new beginnings. And so the people of God, they leave and God leads them out of Egypt, their place of captivity, the place where they thought they would never get out of, their place of slavery, of sorrow, of suffering. They had become so used to being slaves that they hadn't imagined that anything could possibly change. But God is our God of liberation and hope and new beginnings. So he begins to lead them out of Egypt. God was rewriting their lives and their future. God is rewriting. He wants to rewrite our lives and our future, whether you're new to faith or whether you've been long in the faith. In this new year, I'm choosing to start in a place where we remember the first new year that God established and calling us back to that. A rewriting of the future. And you would think that the people of God would never look back, wouldn't you? I mean, such a such an incredible series of events that they have witnessed. And now finally, all that they've hoped for, all that they longed for is given to them. And they walk out of Egypt and they're freed as God leads them into a new place. And you think the people of God would never look back. They'd never forget what God had done. They'd be single-minded in living into this new liberation and hope and new start. But it doesn't quite work like that. As they're led out of Egypt, they come to the Red Sea. God leads them in a particular way and eventually they come to the Red Sea. As they arrive at the Red Sea, Pharaoh has changed his mind. He, he decides that instead of giving the people of God liberation, he will come after them with an army. And so the Egyptian army is sent to pursue the people of God. And so when we find them at the Red Sea. They are stuck in an in-between place. The Red Sea in front of them. How will they ever cross it? And the, and the Egyptian army behind them, seemingly caught. Let, let me read these words to you. They're not on the screen. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians. So picture yourself. You're in, standing before the Red Sea. You turn around and you look behind you, and there are the Egyptians marching after you. And the people were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians to die in the desert. So you see what has happened is this moment of liberation when they are set free when they come to their first obstacle, 
They go back into an Egyptian slavery mindset. Rather than holding on to a liberation and a freedom and a hope mindset and a new beginning. They begin to talk about, well, wouldn't it have been better if we were just back under the slavery of Egypt? So quickly, so soon they forget their liberation, their new hope, their new start. And they're tempted, tempted to return to the familiar, to the slavery and misery of Egypt. But that's not God's destiny for them. That's not God's destiny for us. And Moses needs to lead the way. Moses answered the people, don't be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. When the people of God were tempted to go back into a mindset of slavery, of suffering, of sorrow, God called Moses to stretch out his hand and to declare with his voice a message of faith and hope and to remind them of this God who had brought them deliverance so that they wouldn't go back into a mindset that would take them on a downward spiral, but instead that they would look upwards to God. And so Moses stretches out his staff and stretches out his hand. A reminder of, with the staff of, of what God had already done, his deliverance, no matter what they saw around them in this moment just now, he upheld the staff, reminding them of what the Lord had done. And he stretched out his hand and he called out on faith on behalf of the people. Friends, in some ways, that's what I felt God wanted me to do this morning. It's to call us upwards, to remind us of what God has done, to stretch out in faith a staff and a hand over his church and say, let's look upwards in this new year. The God-appointed new year of liberation, hope, and new beginnings, whatever you see around you just now, whether it's a Red Sea in front of you and an army behind you or an in-between space or place, on your behalf, I'm stretching out both a hand and a, a rod, a staff of God. Just as Moses did. Not that I'm a Moses, far from it. But just to call us to faith again. So that we don't fall back in to a mindset of slavery. So Moses raises his staff. And what happens? The sea parts open and they walk through and there's this great celebration. And what happens? They remember again. They forgot for a moment, but they remember again about the provision and the deliverance of God. But that's not the end of the story either. That's a great part of the story too, the walking through the Red Sea, but there's more. It's not long into their new year before the grumbling and complaining begins with the people of God. So, so they've witnessed this incredible deliverance out of Egypt. They, they've then witnessed this incredible deliverance through the Red Sea and out of the other end. And then as they begin to travel, as God leads them, we discover that they begin to complain and moan and thinking back to how wouldn't it have been better if they just stayed in Egypt. 
The tendency is always for them to go back into a mindset of slavery rather than calling one another to, to faith, to hope, to the truth of God's deliverance, to new beginning again. So very quickly, chapter 15 of Exodus, they come to a place called Mara, and the water there is bitter. And so what do they do? They start to complain about the fact that the water is bitter. But what does God do? He provides them with sweet water. He takes the bitterness and he makes the water sweet. In chapter 16, they complain about the food on the journey. They begin to say again, it would have been better for us if we had just died or returned to Egypt and lived there. You see what they're doing? They get their minds caught back up with a slavery mindset rather than a freedom mindset. Wouldn't it be better if we returned to Egypt? They complain about the food between Elam and Sinai. They have distorted memories. They forget what God had done. But what does God do? He provides them with food, with manna and with quail. They forgot and now they're reminded. Chapter 17, they get to Rephidim and they're complaining about the fact that there's no water. They begin to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out? Why did you bring us away? They've forgotten about what God had done and did again, and did again, and did again. Almost with every obstacle they come to, they return to an Egyptian slavery mindset rather than reminding themselves of this new year that God had announced, this new liberation, this new hope, this new beginning. And when they get to Rephidim in chapter 17, it's again the staff that Moses takes and he smacks it against the rock and the rock pours out water. God again provides. How easy it was for the people to return to their old mindset, to the familiar, to the previous chapter of life, no matter how bad that might have been, when God was already rewriting a new chapter for them leading them into a new future, announcing it and inviting them to live with him into this new year. That's a different word. That's a different song over our lives, the word and the song of God. And in the same way that in that first new year of the Jewish people, God announces it at a point of liberation and new hope and new beginning. I want us to frame this beginning of 2024 with a similar call to remember, to remember what God has done, to remember that he does bring about his deliverance. Whatever is in front of you or behind you, God brings it about. To align ourselves with the new hope, to not allow ourselves to be drawn back into an old chapter of life, and sometimes the, the way that we are drawn into an old chapter, and it can be bad chapters of our life that we're drawn into. I, I want to lift up the staff, just as Moses did, and to call us instead and remind us that God's word over is one of ongoing deliverance and new hope and new beginnings. And even if you feel that 
that, that, that means nothing because of the things that are around you. I want to speak it out in faith with you and for you. It's a different word and a different song that God speaks over his people in New Year. I'm glad the worship team played uh, that newer song. Some of you will be familiar. It's simply called Egypt. I love the words in it. Let me just read some of the words from the song. It begins, I won't forget. You know my problem? I'm a terrible forgetter. And when you come against something that maybe is not what you expected, I need to remind myself of who God is and of what he was done and therefore who I am and what God wants to do and is doing in me and what he has done already. So it begins, I won't forget. I won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance, the exodus of my heart, a liberated heart. Because you found me, you freed me, you held back the waters for my release, Yahweh. You're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory. Hallelujah. You've torn apart the sea. You've led me through the deep. Hallelujah. Because you've stepped into my Egypt. You took me by the hand. You marched me out in freedom into the promised land. And now I will not forget you. Instead, I'll sing of all you've done. Death is swallowed up forever by the fury of your love. I will not forget. I, I, I don't know what your Egypt is, whether it's past things or whether it's a very present thing and you feel trapped in that place. And that's where your mindset and your heart set has, has reverted to. I, I want to claim the words of these songs of faith and hope and liberation. That God is always at work rewriting the next chapter with you and for you. He's already at work. And there were times on this journey where Moses or the people had to do something. And then there were other times where they had to just stand. To just stand and be still as God worked out his purposes. God is always at work to bring about the writing of the new chapter of our lives and of your life even when we feel we're caught between a Red Sea and an Egyptian army. And Moses raised up, raised up his staff to remind them of all that God had done. We don't want January to be a place of hopelessness, but of remembering, recalling, reminding ourselves of the deliverance of God, of this new year that brings a new beginning a new hope. I will not forget because God has stepped into my Egypt and he's taken me by the hand and he's marching me to freedom and to that promised land. You know, God knows us and he knows that we have a tendency to forget. And so in the establishing of this new year, 
around Passover and the exodus of his people, he then instructs them to build in an annual festival so that they'll keep remembering, just in case they forget. They have to celebrate this every year. And so that final verse that I read from Exodus 12, 14, it says this, God says, this is a day, this day of liberation, this Passover day, this freedom day, this hope day. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. And so it became that celebration in the life of the people of God so that they would never forget. They'd always be reminded. And that's the festival Jesus is celebrating with his disciples. When he inaugurates and establishes a new meal that we call communion. It's in the context of Passover and all that we've just said that that is about. This celebration in a new year with Passover of liberation and new hope and new beginnings. It is in that meal of Passover that Jesus establishes a new meal in memory of him. He takes a celebration of Passover and he applies it to himself and what is about to happen in his death, in his sacrifice as the Lamb of God. In Exodus chapter 12, they're, they're invited to take lambs and sacrifice them and then put the blood of the lambs on the doors so that they can enter into their liberation, their freedom, their deliverance, their salvation. And Jesus takes that Passover imagery and he says, actually, some, a far greater work is about to be done in the sacrifice of Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And the shedding of his blood still needs to be applied to our lives in faith. What he does on the cross to lead us into this deliverance, this salvation, this liberation, this new beginning, this new hope. And so let's read from Luke 22 as we move towards communion, verses 7 through to 20. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So the very thing that Exodus 12 said, make sure you keep doing this from year to year. So hundreds of years on, they're still doing that. Now Jesus with his disciples is celebrating the same meal. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. Jesus replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he'll show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And Jesus said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. We'll just pause there. In this incredible festival celebration that pointed back towards the liberation and deliverance 
of the people of God from Egypt. Jesus eagerly desires to eat this with them so he can share with them what is about to happen. That he will suffer. That he will be nailed to a cross. That he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That all the sin and the shame and the brokenness and the wrong and the evil of the world will be placed on him. But, but somehow in his death, liberation and new hope and new beginnings will come. And he eagerly desired so he could share with them that a new relationship is emerging with God through Jesus that is one of liberation and hope and of new beginnings. I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. If we can move on this slide, sorry. Verse 16 and verse 17. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I'll not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it to him and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And he established a new meal in the setting of the Passover, a new meal that now celebrated Christ and his death, a meal that now we for centuries as followers of Jesus celebrate as we continue to remind one another of the deliverance, the liberation, the new hope, the new beginnings, the writing of new chapters in our life from one day to the next that God is doing. The significance of the cross as a new beginning for us where we find forgiveness and new life in Jesus. It has become the place of hope. And the cross speaks a different word over your lives than the one you often speak yourself. Even right now, in the beginning of the new year, in the same way that the Passover was always being brought to mind because the people were always so tempted to speak a different word, a negative word, an old word over their lives. So they had to remind themselves in Passover of a different word that God spoke over them. So now in the cross, God speaks a different word over your life of salvation and liberation and hope and new beginnings. They're all found in the death and sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God. And when we accept Christ and what he has done on the cross, it's like we are marking the blood of Christ on our lives. In the same way that they marked the doorposts of their homes in the Old Testament, in the Exodus. That our life in Christ is as if we mark, or God marks us, with the blood of the Lamb. And that's a reminder to us, a calling us to remember who God is and who we are. 
There's power in the cross. Jesus' death brings life. His sacrifice brings forgiveness. The cross breaks the old and brings the new. Hope and new beginnings are found here. Freedom comes. Last week, Jamie shared his testimony with us. And he referred to this verse. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. If you feel like you're sitting with the army of the Egyptians behind you and the Red Sea in front of you, I I want to remind you, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Whatever else you feel or see, that's the word God speaks over you in the cross and in Christ. Or Romans 8, 1, the cross speaks this word over you. Christ speaks this word over you. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. If in some way you're speaking in this new year a word of condemnation over yourself, the regrets of the past, the things you should have done, the things that you shouldn't have done, and you're still walking with that voice of condemnation in your heads, I want to remind you there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for in the cross it's broken. Or Philippians 4.19, for those of us perhaps in this new year who are struggling, worrying, anxious, says this, my God will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The promises of God. Or Colossians 1, 13 and 14, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. It's a word of new beginnings, of hope, of liberation. Or 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is who we are. This is the voice of God in a new year. The voice of God in the cross and in Christ. Displacing the old chapter, the old voices for the new that we might walk in them. How tempting it is for us to forget who God is and who we are in Christ as he leads us in the ways of liberation and hope and new beginnings. That's the story of your life in Christ. Not the old one. God is always at work to bring about new beginnings and new hope. That's the story of our life. This is who we are. This is what we remember. And as we begin a new year, I want to encourage you to enter and embrace the story of God for your life the one that leads us back to liberation and hope and our new beginning. As we move to a moment of communion just now, you get to choose which story you align your life with. Will you align yourself with old voices, old chapters of life, 
Or will you look back and remind yourself of the places where God has been delivering and faithful in bringing new hope and new beginnings? And then starting and all over again in that reminder of trusting God once more with the today and the tomorrow of your life. Because when we celebrate communion, when we celebrate the cross and the resurrection, we're celebrating a meal that Jesus instituted when he celebrated that Passover meal. That somehow in the cross, the old is broken and the new comes. And that's where we find our liberation, our hope, and our new beginnings. So I'd like to pray for us this morning as we head towards communion. And I particularly want to pray for those of you who are wrestling and struggling in whatever place. Maybe you feel that you're back in Egypt already. And as a dude, just as a sign of faith to hold the cross over us. So let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. And if this morning you feel as if you, you need breakthrough, you, you feel as if the new year has begun like an old year, or you feel as if you're wrestling in an in-between space, or, or you might even just feel as if you're right back in Egypt again, just, just as, a, as an indication, so that before I pray, just, just pop your hand up very quickly. Thank you, thank you, wow, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, pop your hands back down again. Well, for all, but for you specifically. Lord God, I thank you for the ways in which you have been at work in our lives in the past, collectively and individually. We, we recall those moments to our mind just now that you have been faithful, you have been good, you have brought deliverance. We thank you for the testimony that we look back on of our life, of the ways in which you have already intervened for us. We recall those to me and I invite you to do that just now. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your strength that sustained us in the days that have been. When we thought we had nothing else to give, you provided for us. And Lord, I pray particularly for those who feel in those places of Egypt or in between. Lord, even as I stretch out this staff across us as the people of God, as the church, that you would make new ways through and there would be a breaking in and a liberation and a sense of new hope and new beginnings that arise again. Lord, into the places where there is darkness and where it feels like we are back in Egypt again, would you liberate us once more in the name of Jesus by the power of the blood and of the cross? Come, Holy Spirit, work within us as we lift up our heads to you, our God. And Lord, if this is a time for us to simply stand and be still before the Red Sea, waiting for you to bring your deliverance, then give us the grace and the power to stand and watch you at work. For the Lord fights for us. For the Lord fights for us. For the Lord fights for us. In every situation and in every circumstance. And so even in this moment of defiant waiting, God is at work and your demonstration of faith in that defiance of patient waiting, that in itself is a step of faith. So Lord, come and by your spirit, bring this new sense of new hope and new beginning across us in this new year. 
we pray in Jesus' name.